Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Community is Our Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grand Hits Community Health for you, your family, and our community. My name is Gareth Olver. Thank you for being with us again for another week. This week, as we're at the tail end of Family Violence Awareness Month, I'm talking with Kate Diamond Keith from Women's Health Grampians. Now, Women's Health Grampians operate from the Central Highlands, so places such as Ballarat and Bacchus Marsh, right across to the South Australian border, covering areas such as uh, the Pyrenees, Australia with Beaufort and Navoka, Ararat, Stall, up into Horsham, so a fair chunk of the same areas that Grampians Community Health cover. We speak about the unfortunate rise of domestic violence, uh, especially over the past two years when people have been stuck in their homes. We also talk about how cultural norms, or what were once cultural norms, cultural stereotypes, more to, more to the point, can lead to discrimination and about the importance of inclusion and diversity and also the importance of understanding what intersectionality is and how that can lead to discrimination, particularly for women and women from migrant backgrounds as well. It's a really interesting chat. Honestly, I could probably speak to Kate and get another three or four episodes out of Kate to us talking about this topic. It was uh, it was really good. There's a lot to, to, to learn in this episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, here it is. My chat with Kate Diamond Keith from Women's Health Grampians on the Community is a Middle Name podcast, brought to you by Grampians Community Health, and of course we're here for you, your family, and our community. This week on the Community is Our Middle Name podcast, I'm joined by Kate Diamond-Keith from Women's Health Grampians. Kate is the Regional Consultant and Lead of Diversity and Inclusion. Kate, I really am pleased that you've come on the show because I know you've got a, a pretty busy schedule, so thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Women's Health Grampians. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the history of, of WHG um, and perhaps the areas that you cover as well? Sure. Uh, well, Women's Health Grampians, we're uh, one of 11 women's health services funded by the Victorian government um, to address uh, women's health and well-being across the Grampians region um, and improve gender equality in our region. So we cover, you know, all the way from Bacchus Marsh, practically all the way to the South Australian border, all of the West Wimmera, Stall, Northern Grampians, Beaufort in the Pyrenees Shire, Ararat Shire, Halls Gap, and then, of course, the Central Highlands, Ballarat and the surrounding communities. Um, so we're a feminist organisation that works to improve gender equality for women by addressing uh, two priority areas, uh, preventing violence against women, uh, which is what we're here to talk about today, and also sexual and reproductive health is another priority area. So that's a pretty large area that you guys cover. Um, so how many staff would you have at um, WHG? Oh, you're testing me. I think at the moment it's probably about over 20. So we have an office here in Ballarat and then we have staff also in Horsham 
And in my role as a regional consultant, I really do focus on the uh, the stall Ararat Beaufort areas uh, and work with organisations in that area. But we tend to fluctuate with staff, as a lot of organisations do. You get some grants, you employ some more staff, then the grants go, and then more grants, and that's kind of the cycle of it. Uh, it's great to be working with organisations and women from across the region. How did you um, How did you get into this role, Kate? What's your background? Um, I actually have a background in journalism. Um, that was my very original career a long time ago, but it wasn't really for me. And then I got into community development, working in the local government uh, in Bacchus Marsh uh, and, and, and loved it. Just loved working on health and well-being and prevention and working with communities. And I worked in that local government for about 14 years, a long time. Um, but I'd always wanted to work for Women's Health Grampians. I'd done some projects with them over a number of years and thought it was a great place to work. And then a job came up about five years ago and I went for it. And it's a fantastic organisation to work for, a great group of staff, great leadership um, and really like fulfilling and uh, positive work to be doing. I enjoy it. Oh, excellent. It's always handy if you enjoy what you do, isn't it? It is. Uh, makes it easy to come to work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, and I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. I'm very lucky to be able to do this for a living. So, Kate, you talked a little bit about the work that Women's Health Grampians does. Uh, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. What work do you and your organisation do in the, the DV space across the Grampians? So, Women's Health Grampians, we work in prevention, you know, so trying to stop the violence from occurring in the first place. And we know that the cause of violence against women is gender inequality and the drivers um, of violence uh, around that. So Women's Health Grampians, we have a regional strategy called the Communities of Respect and Equality, uh, or CORE for short. Uh, and it's a regional prevention of violence against women uh, strategy relaunched last year. Um, so it had four years from 2016 and then we relaunched it again last year. And the model for CORE is that um, it's an alliance model. So organisations sign up to be members of the alliance and when they do that, they make a commitment to taking action in their organisation. So my role is to work with our, um, with our core members um, and there are many other regional consultants here at Women's Health Grampians who work with core members and we have about nearly 120 of them at the moment. So it's quite a lot of organisations across the region have all made a commitment to taking action to prevent violence against women. And then we work with them to think about what things they can do in their organisation to create a safe and respectful culture and society for everybody. So it's things like, you know, looking at their workforce and how they, you know, address gender inequality, how they change, you know, behaviours and attitudes, call out sexist behaviour, you know, and create, you know, a better culture and a more accepting culture for everyone. And another, um, you know, increasing focus of women's health grampians in prevention of violence against women um, is intersectionality. So it's not only addressing gender inequality, but other forms of discrimination that women and gender diverse people um, experience. So we know that women, you know, from diverse backgrounds, uh, so a migrant woman, for example, is more likely to experience 
violence um, because of gender inequality and because of racism. And that's what intersectionality is, the intersecting forms of discrimination that create you know, an environment where they're more likely to experience that violence. So we've got a big focus um, and, and of wanting to embed intersectionality and to ask our core members, um, that, you know, the 120 of them, to not only think about you know, gender inequality but think about intersectionality and those other forms of discrimination. Because we know that when we're addressing gender inequality, racism, homophobia, ableism, you know, all of those things, when we're addressing all of them, we're going to create a more safe and respectful society for everybody. Agree, absolutely agree. And I think Grampians Community Health is one of the, the core members as well. So. They are. They're a very active core member. Um, they have a really successful um, core action plan and have been a, a really good core member, member of the core leadership group, uh, a really committed member right since the beginning, Grampians Community Health. That's good. So we should be seeing we're um, we're providing services to people uh, you know, dealing with domestic violence and and other issues like that. Unfortunately, Kate, we saw and I did some research for this for some of the stuff that I, I put up on our socials for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. A rise in domestic violence uh, the last two years. I think it was about thirteen percent, mainly due to people being stuck. At home, and do you think there was enough messaging out there for for any women? Because you know, as we know, it's majority women who are the ones who suffer the domestic violence. Do you think there's enough messaging out there around? Yes, you can go and escape despite us being in lockdown. If you do need to leave a dangerous situation, you can leave. Do you think that was broadcast widely enough for people? Not in 2020. Uh, I think things, the messages around that got better. You know, the, the four reasons to leave home, those kind of messages, they changed a little bit last year and, and the, the politicians and the people in the media conferences did start to talk a little bit more about if you're experiencing family violence, of course you can leave your home and seek support. But I, I don't think that messaging was quite clear in 2020. There was also issues in 2020, you know, in particular for migrant women where a lot of the COVID information you know, it wasn't available in their language and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't accessible. Um, and so even if the message was there around, you know, getting support for family violence, you know, if you can't, you know, speak the language or the information is not in easy English, um, then you weren't able to get that message. Um, we know that violence across the board, uh, in fact, I was looking at the statistics yesterday across our region, uh, we have increased quite significantly from the 2019 figures. It increased really quite a lot in 2020 and in 2021. It's it, it slightly come down in some areas in 2021. I'm, I'm really speaking in general terms here, not specific. Um, but it's still much higher than it was in 2019. So we know that there's been a huge increase in violence against women in that 2020, 2021, but it's not coming down. Um, it's, it's sustaining. And all of the statistics have told us that there were a lot of women who reported in 2020, you know, that because of COVID lockdowns, they had started to experience the violence for the first time or that the severity of the violence had also increased quite a lot. So it wasn't just just that the numbers went up, it's that you know women who had never experienced it were experiencing it for the first time and the severity of it. Uh, and they're two really important things to remember as well. It's almost like a, a second pandemic, wasn't it? The, uh, yeah. I mean, this is a... Unfortunately, domestic violence is, a, is an issue across society at the, you know, at the best of times, but um, it sounds like it really came to the fore 
uh, and really increased over the past two years. It has. And we know why we, you know, have COVID lockdowns. Um, but I think, you know, some of the messaging around support, um, cause we know what happens when you lock, you know, when you lock down people in their homes, uh, we know that the, you know, the most unsafe place for a woman is being, you know, locked up in her home with a perpetrator, not able to, um, go to work and seek any refuge for, for a lot of women going to work or going, you know, being able to get out of the house during the day to volunteer uh, or do other things with their children is the way to escape it. But if you can't leave, if you're told you, you can't leave, it's very hard to manage that. And also to have children at home with you all of the time. We know that, you know, nearly 60% of violence reported by women, uh, oh, sorry, that um, women who report violence, 60% of them um, have children who either heard or saw the violence in the home. So it impacts their children as well. Yeah, it almost normalises it for, for the children when they grow up, doesn't it? It does. It does. It creates that cycle that's so hard to, to break. And uh, what, what do you think, what would be the best way to try and really stick a stick, a stick in that tyre and stop the circle from going around? Well, it's, it's addressing gender inequality. It's addressing gender stereotypes. Um, it's addressing, you know, sexist, um, and, and cultures that support disrespect, uh, towards women and gender diverse people and people from, um, diverse backgrounds in workplaces, in the community, uh, in sporting. And that's what the core alliance is about. It's, it's, you know, not to use jargon, it's a collective impact model. We know that the more workplaces, the more organisations, the more community groups, the more settings that are, you know, taking action to address this, that are calling it out, um, you know, the underlying causes, you know, the, the violence that we see reported in the newspaper and the statistics, you know, that's kind of the top of the iceberg. Uh, but what's, you know, what's holding that up is our, you know, culture that we have in, in most of our communities around uh, sexist behaviour, sexual harassment, normalising sexual harassment as if women should accept it um, and just enforcing entrenched ideas around gender inequality and not calling it out and not challenging the status quo um, around, you know, supporting a safe and respectful community, workplaces uh, for women. Uh, and that's what we need to do. We need to address it at all levels and we need to be thinking about it uh, in our everyday work. How much have you seen in your five years, uh, how much change have you seen across this part of the world uh, in dealing with issues such as gender inequality and sexism and homophobia and things things like that? I think, you know, I've been working for Women's Health Grampians for five years um, and I would say uh, that the 120 organisations that are members of the Core Alliance are all very strongly committed. When I go in and talk to most of the staff in these organisations and particularly leadership, we know we need leadership, we need CEOs and senior managers to be on board with this, most of them are very willing to talk about it and have the conversation and ask the questions. There is a genuine commitment after the, the 2016 Royal Commission um, to do something about this. Now, COVID's made that really harder, you know, because people had to kind of bunk down and just, you know, people were just trying to get their jobs done and manage their children and manage, you know, family members who might be sick in hospital and that sort of thing. But even throughout the pandemic, you know, we continued to work with organisations 
pe- organisations pivoted to doing online training. You know, so there's, there is a huge commitment in this region um, towards it, but we still need more. You know, we have 100, almost 120 organisations. You know, we need every organisation and every community group to be to make a commitment to this because we know that you know we're talking here about violence against women, but we know that gender equality is good for both men and women. Um, you know, and gender stereotypes, addressing gender stereotypes is not just about addressing that for women, it's also about addressing it for men because we know that when we put men, you know, into the man box, you know, when we define them, you know, by their gender in stereotypes, that's not good for a lot of, for a lot of men and it, it puts them in a position uh, where if they act outside that box, then they're criticised and, you know, seen as not being a real man, you know, and not all, you know, men and women should be able to be safe and respected and be the person that they want to be. Absolutely spot on. Couldn't agree with you more, Kate. We might take a very short break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about women's health cramps and uh, domestic violence awareness month. So stick around. The community is our middle name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across Western and Northern Victoria, servicing the following local government areas. The Northern Grampians Shire, Our Rural City, Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Central Goldfield Shire, Southern Grampians Shire and Bullock Shire Council areas. Services available from Grampians Community Health include alcohol and other drug support, carer support, community aged care and disability support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management, counselling across a wide range of sectors, including generalist counselling, gambler's help, community mental health, and much more. For more information, go to our website, gch.org.au, or give us a call Monday to Friday and business hours, 5358 7400. You can also visit our offices in Ararat, Stall, and Horsham. Community is our middle name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health and Grampians Community Health is proudly here for you, your family and for all of our communities right across the Grampians Wimmera area. Welcome back. I'm with Kate Diamond Keith. Women's Health Grampians, Regional Consultant, Lead Diversity and Inclusion. Kate works right across parts of our area, including the Northern Grampian Shire, Pyrenees Shire, Aral City, across to, across to Ballarat and back as much. Everywhere, Kate, we're WHGs, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Kate and I were actually talking during the break, and we, we, we thought this would be a really good conversation to actually have on the podcast. We're talking about gender roles uh, and about the way that Gender roles, especially in areas like Western Victoria, which are more conservative, I don't think I'm, I'm out of line saying that as someone who's born and raised here, it can still be that more traditional, and, and I say that with air quotes, you know, that mum raises the kids and, and dad goes to work every day. Now, Kate, you and I were talking uh, about my circumstance where uh, my wife and I both work part-time and we both try and do as much as we can around the house, and I, I actually do quite quite a lot with, with my kids and I, I gave Kate the examples of when I've been out with the kids 
at the supermarket, for example, or, or even on the holidays we were out, so I took the kids out to play mini golf at Halls Gap, uh, and I got told by people said to me, and I'm sure their intentions were good, but they said, oh, you know, you're babysitting today or it's daddy daycare today. And that really bugged me. And, and Kate, that's some of the stuff that we talk about with the gender roles, isn't it? It is, you know, and um, I think it's what I was saying before. You know, we need to address those gender stereotypes for both men and women and gender diverse people um, as well and and normalise fathers having a role in their children's life. We need to normalise Men, you know, having part-time work, you know, most of the statistics will tell us that it's majority women who have part-time work and most of the, you know, a lot of the time that's because they need that flexibility uh, to look after their children and take their children to school and do after-school activities and appointments. But we need to normalise men taking part-time work, men dropping kids to school, picking things up. And, you know, we need to change our attitudes in society around, you know, if, if the fathers are looking after the, you know, have the children, that it's not babysitting, that it's not daddy daycare. Uh, because it's really good for men's health and well-being and their mental health to have that really strong role uh, and presence in their children's life, lives. You know, gone are the days where, you know, the man is the breadwinner, goes to work, and that's the contribution. That's not how life is anymore. We know, you know, it's all in the media at the moment around housing prices and affordability and being, you know, people being able to, you know, deal with the rising cost of living. We know we need, you know, both people, you know, in a couple, whether they're parents or not, to be working, uh, to be able to afford things. So if both people are working, then both people need to contribute to raising the children and contributing to unpaid work in the household. But we know from the latest census that still, you know, women are doing, I think it's something like 15 or 20 more hours a week in unpaid, you know, domestic duties and childcare. Uh, and that's a huge, you know, mental load and that mental load needs to be shared, um, you know, b- between both people in the relationship, uh, particularly if they have children. Absolutely. It's because uh, it can be exhausting being a parent, whether you're, you're a male, male or female or uh, it's, it's hard work. Yeah. And uh, we can't expect that all to be lumped on, you know, on, on one person, usually the, the woman in the relationship. So, um, and look, Kate, personally, I, I love doing stuff with my kids. I really enjoy it. Uh, um, and uh, I love you know, being part of, of their lives because I didn't have that when I was a kid. I didn't have my dad around when I was a kid growing up and I don't want my kids to, to miss out on what I missed out on. So uh, anyway, that's that's a little off off topic. We're seeing an increase in multiculturalism, I guess is probably the best way to put it, across uh, our, our parts of the world. I think when we did some, some statistics for Multicultural Week, we're seeing uh, a larger increase of people from South Asia uh, in particular, coming to an area when we've also got a lot of uh, Pacific Islanders around our rural city as well. Um, traditionally, very much Anglo-Celtic areas here in Western Victoria, despite the fact that you know Indigenous people have been here for multiple millennia. How do you see the influx of people from uh, non-Anglo-Celtic cultures? How do you see that working in your role when it comes to? That intersectionality stuff you're talking about and about, you know, the, the, the roles of, of, of people of various genders. I'm going to say this first, that, you know, I cannot see how we can, you know, have a, you know, respectful and equal place for people from multicultural backgrounds, you know, to come into those areas if we haven't first 
addressed racism and discrimination against our Aboriginal people uh, that live in that area. So I think first and foremost, we need to address that because they are, you know, Australia's first people, native people, and we need to address, you know, the ongoing impacts of colonisation that they experience. Um, but yes, you know, the areas of Ararat, you know, are um, having increasing numbers of people from, you know, migrant backgrounds, you know, come into the area. Uh, and we know that, you know, we're talking about violence against women. We know that, you know, migrant women experience higher rates of violence, uh, particularly, you know, if they are coming into an area that is not known to them, you know, where they don't know about services, you know, those sorts of things in rural areas, lack of transport, lack of um, information in their language, you know, lack of family support, um, still, you know, some traditional views around people from other cultures and, you know, higher levels of racism, that makes it really difficult um, for women from migrant backgrounds to settle into those areas. Uh, in fact, Women's Health Grampians, we've just done a research report into the impacts of COVID on migrant women's mental health. Uh, and basically that report, report showed that the pre-existing barriers for migrant women to access services um, were heightened, you know, in the pandemic um, those pre-existing barriers are, you know, lack of interpreters, um, lack of cultural safety, not being able to understand, you know, the service system. So if, you know, um, the ARA area is going to, you know, have this influx of people from migrant backgrounds, uh, then the community, you know, needs to be in the right place to be able to, to have them. You know, and a lot of people are probably coming for work. Um, but they, you know, they bring their families and their children with them. So, you know, all of the, you know, the services and community services and health services need to be set up to, to cater for the needs. Otherwise, their health and well-being and their safety is going to be impacted. And we know that, you know, women, migrant women will bear the brunt, bear the brunt of that. But I will say, you know, I work with a lot of organisations, you know, in the Ararat um, store Beaufort area, um, you know, all the health services and the local governments uh, and community organisations, and they've all been willing over the last couple of years to hear those stories, you know, from women from diverse backgrounds, to hear them and think about how they will make their services and workplaces more inclusive. Because, you know, one partner in the relationship, in, you know, from the the migrant family, you know, they might be coming to work in a particular in a particular industry where they need uh, skilled people, but then their partner will probably seek, you know, other work, you know, in the community. So those organisations need to be set up and ready and thinking about their their unconscious bias, thinking about how do we make this a culturally safe pe place for uh, people to work. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're not unlikely to stay in the community. You know, they will move somewhere where they feel safe and accepted. Do you think that organisations across the Grampians Wimmera do a good enough job of getting that message out in either simple English or languages other than English? I think we could do better. Uh, I think often, often it's, it's just not thought about. Um, it's not that people do it deliberately or it's a deliberate, you know, malice, um, that we don't want to be inclusive. I think it's we just, we think about the mainstream, uh, and we cater for that. And that is across, you know, it's for migrant communities, it's for people with disabilities, it's for LGBTI community, and of course it's for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, that their needs and um, the, you know, the things that they need to access services or to be an employee of a workplace, 
Uh, they're just not thought about. We still, majority just cater for the mainstream um, and don't think about, you know, making it a holistic approach. But we know at the moment that, you know, there's more, there's so, more jobs available than there are people to fill them. You know, I've never seen so many workplaces and businesses advertising for workers. Uh, but there's an untapped market there, you know, in, you know, women from migrant backgrounds and people with disabilities. Um, you know, there's an untapped market there, but workplaces have got to be ready um, to change their culture and change, you know, some of the things, the way that they do things to be, you know, inclusive and, and genuine um, about that. Um, because, you know, lots of people, you know, in migrant communities and people with disabilities and Aboriginal people, you know, want to work uh, and want to be in those places, but they don't want to experience discrimination uh, when they work there. Yeah, and I guess as well, we spoke to you about flexibility when it came to, uh, to, you know, the, the, the roles of, of parenting, but also flexibility for workplaces for people who may have cultural, uh, culturally sensitive needs and, and about being willing to understand that the way we've done things for 200 years doesn't necessarily work in 2022. You know, we're, we're a much different country now. We're, we're, we're made up of, of of many different people from many different backgrounds and we need to be, we need to be mindful of that. And, uh, I'd, I'd like to think that people are, uh, are thinking about that and being, and being a bit more flexible, but, uh, I, I don't know, Kate, what, what have you seen? Do you, do, you, do you see it's easier for people from migrant backgrounds now to come in and, and, and work and, and be safe? In many ways, no, I think it depends on the organisation. Uh, it depends on the attitude. And that's what the core alliance, you know, is about. All the members across, you know, that region there in the Grampians Pyrenees who are members of the core alliance, they've all been exposed, you know, to these sorts of messages to sort of taking away their unconscious bias uh, around this and being exposed to people's lived experience and hearing people's genuine stories you know, hearing women's genuine stories of discrimination and, you know, of going to the doctor or, you know, being an employee of an organisation and it has opened their eyes a little bit. You know, sometimes I think it's just that people don't think about it or don't think outside themselves um, to what other people might experience when they come into a workplace or they come into a service. But it is 2022. Um, you know, we, we all have to be thinking about this now. There's no, to me, there's no more excuses. It's 2022. We know that these things, you know, are an issue. Everybody, you know, particularly people who are leaders in a workplace or an organisation, everybody needs to be thinking about this. It's just not good enough anymore not to think about it. But I continue to, to see it you know, myself personally, you know, all the time in organisations, just not thinking about accessibility and cultural safety. Um, but, you know, there's no excuse for that you know, anymore and we all have to be, be thinking about it um, because otherwise you're only providing a service, so you're only providing a workplace that caters to one group of people. And we know that having, a, you know, a, a diverse group of people and more women you know, in workplaces uh, makes for a better workplace culture. And that's what people are looking for now in their workplaces, a good workplace culture. Well, to do that, you've got to make it, you know, a gender equal and inclusive culture that people want to work in. Yeah, you, you guys had a podcast as well where you spoke to, uh, to, to people from, um, to women from 
diverse backgrounds as well, didn't you? You can give that a bit of a plug if you'd like, Kate. No worries. That's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Women's Health Grampians, we employed 11 women, all from diverse backgrounds, to talk about their lived experience of gender inequality and discrimination. Uh, and these women, they were called Equality Advocates. Um, they went and spoke to all of our core alliance members about their lived experience, and that was really valuable for them, you know, opening their eyes up to what people were actually experiencing when they came to their service or, you know, were employed in their workforce. Uh, and because it, because they were doing lived experience speaking engagements, of course, that didn't happen. You know, during COVID, we were unable to do those in-person speaking engagements. So we pivoted and we made some podcasts. Uh, and there's some really interesting podcasts uh, there on our website uh, under Equality for All, under the Women's Health Grampians website. So please go and have a listen. Uh, there's some great podcasts. In particular, we have one from Jenny, uh, who's a woman who is from the Ara area, uh, an older woman, you know, talking about her experiences being an older woman during two emergencies, you know, so she was, you know, in the Black Saturday bushfires and then, you know, during the pandemic and she talks about the difference in being an older woman and the discrimination she faced um, you know, in each of those. So it's really worth having a listen to. Um, you know, we have a number of women from migrant backgrounds who talked in those podcast, when those podcasts, they're only about 15 minutes long. So it's really worth, you know, having a bit of a listen to the women's stories because it, it, those, listening to those podcasts is a really good way for people to challenge their unconscious bias. Think about, you know, the stereotypes and discrimination that they might be, you know, unknowingly doing in their organizations and how to change that. We'll put a link to uh, to the podcasts in the show notes of this podcast. Right. Um, so, and hosted by uh, by an, a local uh, Indigenous woman as well, wasn't it? Yeah, by Tanisha Lovett, uh, who's from the from the Wimmera, um, you know, a local and very active and passionate Aboriginal woman, and we, you know, really appreciated having her uh, and her insights on the podcasts as well. Kate, before we uh, we we call uh, time on this episode of the podcast, is there anything that uh, you'd like people listening to have as their take home message about women's health grampians and uh, intersectionality and uh, the domestic violence and anything that you'd like to get across just to people as a, as a final message? Well, really, I encourage everyone you know who's listening to this podcast to think about you know their sphere of influence. What can they do in their own lives, in their workplaces? in their community, you know, with their families um, to address gender inequality and prevent violence against women. And anybody who, you know, is a member of a community organisation, a sporting club um, or, you know, works in a workplace, if they want to know more about the Core Alliance and how to become a member, please to have a look on our website and get in contact. Um, and we're very happy to work with anybody and, and help them uh, in this space. Excellent. And like I said, there'll be a link to the WHG website in the show notes. Anyone who is interested, and I'm actually interested, I'm, you can probably see, Kate, I'm wearing the local uh, football netball club beanie. I'm going to find out if our local footy club is a member of the, the core that would alliance. Be great. And if not, I might um, say, why not? Um, That's great. <laughs> Kate, I really appreciate you giving up some, some time to uh, have a chat with me this week on the Communism in a Name podcast. And um, it's been really fun. Yep, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much to Kate Diamond-Keith from Women's Health Grampians 
And Kate, of course, is the regional consultant and lead of diversity and inclusion there at WHG for coming on to this week's episode of the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. It was a great chat, and I learned a lot from this uh, this episode. And I hope you did too. And I hope you can take something out of it. And if you're part of a of a, a club or a sporting team or, or a workplace who isn't signed up to core, I would highly recommend finding out how you go about doing that. And I will put a link to the WHG website in the show notes and you'll be able to find out more information there. This show, of course, is the Communities of Middle Name podcast and it's brought to you by Grandpins Community Health and we offer a number of services right across Western Victoria through the Wimmera, Grampians, up into the Mallee, even almost across into the Central Goldfields area there. Um, go to our website for more information on the services we provide in the areas that we cover, which is gch.org.au or feel free to give us a call, talk to one of our in-customer engagement team, Monday to Friday, business hours, 53587400. Or if you'd like to do things in person, we have offices in Stall, Horsham and Ararat that you can come in, say good day, find out a bit about GCH and maybe take a few uh, a few of the flyers that we might have sitting at the front for not just our services, but for a number of other services that are helpful for our communities. This podcast and all every other podcast is available to subscribe to and to listen to whenever you like and download whenever you like at your leisure on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, on iHeartRadio, on Audible, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Amazon, pretty much everywhere. So you can download every episode right to your phone or whatever device you listen to podcasts on. And never miss an episode because we have some uh, some good back episodes. This is actually episode number 30, which is amazing. We're up to 30 episodes already. Covered some pretty good topics, actually, if I don't uh, say so myself. You can also follow Grampians Community Health on social media. So we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Grampians Community Health, or you can just search Grampians Community Health in the search bar on Facebook. And if you're on Instagram and Twitter, look for the handle at GCH Grampians and you will find us on both of those as well. The intro and outro music to this show is an original composition by Andrew Parsons, who is an Ararat-based musician, so a local lad, former GCH employee as well. And we use these with his permission. Uh, Andrew, of course, made the little uh, little sweet guitar sounds purely for the show. So thanks again for that, Parso. And uh, this episode of the Community Is A Middle Name podcast was produced on the traditional lands of the Jab Wurrung people, and we'd like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present, and emerging. That's it for this week. I hope you've uh, enjoyed this episode. Uh, like I said, check out uh, Women's Health Grampians' website. They're also on the socials as well. You can find them on there. And don't forget to check out our website and check out our socials to see what's happening at Grampians Community Health and in our communities. I'll be back again with another episode very shortly. My name is Gareth Oliver. I really appreciate you joining me for another Community is a Middle Name podcast, brought to you, of course, by Grandpa's Community Health for you, your family, and our community. And so until next time, so long.